Well, good morning. You look good this morning. I'm glad you're here today. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. What an exceptional day to get to baptize three members of a family like that. That is so special. And I'm excited about all that God is doing in the life of our church. And uh, I'm also excited that I got to be away last week. And I watched it online. We went to a great church in Phoenix. We got to go to the Grand Canyon, got to go to Sedona, got to go to a Catholic wedding, which has some of the components of a wedding we would have and then some other ones that are a little different. And we got to experience that. Actually uh, had to or got to participate in part of the ceremony, so it was a special weekend. But I'm also excited that if I have to go out of town for one reason or the other, we have such a great team here at the church that things go on as if I'm not even here. And so Clark preached a great message. Uh, Caleb and the team just put everything together as if I'm not even here. And that is special. It doesn't always happen that way. So I want you to help me celebrate them and say thanks for being such an amazing staff. And so now I want to say happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, We, uh, and you look good. You look a little bigger than you did last time, but that's good. Okay, I do too, so we're in the thing together. Uh, thank you uh, for being here this morning, and, and we of all people have every reason to have uh, thankful and grateful hearts. You see, as, as children of God adopted into his family through Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens in life, he is with us. You see, in the psalm, Psalms 23rd, the most popular psalm, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, doesn't say around it. Okay, and then it goes on and says, God, you, you, you prepare the t- my table in the presence of my enemies. He, he doesn't take us to some isolated area away from everything, every evil thing in this world. He prepares the table and he sits down to eat with us right in the middle of a world that has come unglued. And that's encouraging, isn't it? And so that's, who we, that's the reason we have hearts of gratitude today. Now, as we, as we understand more about that and as we consider where we're at in this amazing uh, book of Acts, it's important to understand that this world has lost its bearing and its compass is just spinning around confused. And in that moment, in a season like this, it is a time when you and I as individual Christians and corporately as a church, we are called, challenged, and commanded to drive a stake in the sand and to stand strong and be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. You see, the world doesn't need to hear about the statistics of Joe Milton. I mean, they're fine. The world doesn't need to hear about your favorite television show. The world really doesn't need to hear about your car or your house. The world doesn't really need to hear about your children or grandchildren, even though I like talking about them. What the world needs to hear about is Jesus Christ. And we live in a world that has buried their their head in the sand. You see, sometimes as Christians, we feel like, you know what, I know I'm a Christian. I believe the gospel message that Jesus died on a cross for me, rose again from the dead, defeated death, hell, and the grave. I received his grace gift in my life, didn't deserve it. He gave it to me anyway. I'm born again. Holy Spirit lives in me and going to heaven when I would get all that. <clears throat> but then we, we're like, I'm just going to be like a, the Christian ostrich, and I'm going to put my head in the sand, and hopefully the, the mean, lost world will just walk on around me. That's, that's what most of us do. That's not what we're called to do. Jesus Christ died a brutal death on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven so that, he could in, so that he could save you to be empowered to share the grace message of the gospel to the glory of God. And he didn't leave you to do it alone on your own because he knew you would fail. So he sent his Holy Spirit into our lives 
to empower us for one primary thing, and that is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And every day of every week, we have an opportunity in our family. Uh, today, baptizing uh, Colby, Kaylee, and Autumn was a, a testimony to their younger children. Uh, we have an opportunity to share Jesus in our families. We have an opportunity to share Jesus in our neighborhoods. We have an opportunity to share Jesus in our schools. We have an opportunity to share Jesus in, uh, in our workplaces and in the places that we frequent every day. We can share Jesus, but often we don't. Let me tell you what that looks like tangibly. Kendra and I, as I said, we went to Phoenix, a beautiful place, beautiful place. And we went on Allegiant Airline. It's a good airline. It's a good flight, economical. I felt like I rode to Phoenix in a five-gallon bucket from Home Depot, okay? I mean, they put more and more people on the plane, smaller, less padding. I mean, you, you in there, okay? And we had an opportunity to share Jesus on that airplane. But we had one great opportunity. So I sat on the aisle seat. Kendra got me, we, we didn't even pick seats, but they put me, put, put us together and she gave me the aisle seat because she loves me. And, and she sat in the middle seat and we had opportunities to share Jesus. In fact, there was a guy sitting on the other side of her, mashed up against the window, captive audience. When that, when that plane goes ding dong, all seat belts fastened, he can't go nowhere. But in that moment, we had an opportunity to share Jesus with, with this guy. Kendra did not do that. I mean, I would have, but I was away over here, see. I mean, I would have had to go all the way across her, and she would have been, we didn't, okay. Now, I share that story to say that's, that's what it looks like. And it's in those moments, whether it's in an airplane seat sitting on a bench with your team, uh, whether it's in, 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 at lunch table at school or around a, 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 a lunch table with friends from work, we have the opportunity to just bring up the name of Jesus. And what do we do? We bring up Joe Milton. What do we do? We bring up cars and houses and, and we bring up uh, our favorite teams and, and we bring up our favorite places and we bring up things. And there's nothing wrong with those conversations. They're great. But they should only serve as a corridor to bring up the name of Jesus. And, and I believe it's more important now than it ever have been certainly in my life that we are bold in our witness not about the things of the world, but about Jesus Christ. In fact, I would challenge you to think right now how many times in this past week, and it was Thanksgiving week for crying out loud, how many times other than Thanksgiving Day did you have a conversation with anybody that included the person who radically changed your life and altered your eternal destiny, Jesus Christ? Probably not much. And he's the one who changes everything. It, the things that we talk about are not game changers typically, but Jesus is. He is in our life and he is in the lives of the people around us. And so we're going to talk about boldness today and what we should expect in boldness. Often when I talk about Jesus and I share the gospel, the evangelistic side of what we do, we say it like this, hey, God loves you. He sent Jesus, his son, to die on a cross brutally, shed his blood to pay your sin debt, to rescue you from your sin curse. And if you will give your life to Jesus and receive his grace gift into your life, he will give his Holy Spirit to you and he will bless your life and you will spend eternity in heaven with him, right? Now, is that true? Is that, it's absolutely true, emphatically true. 
But unfortunately, it's not the whole truth. You see, when we share that gospel message like that, it's centered on the love of God toward us. And that's true, and it's right, and it's good, and it changes our life. But we don't emphasize God's expectation of us once we follow Jesus. And we don't include what we can expect if we truly give Jesus our whole life and make him the Lord of everything we do. I'm here today to tell you the rest of the story. If you are a Christian today and you're not being persecuted, it's probably because you're not a great Christian. Now that sounds judgmental, does it not? The truth is what I just said. The truth is what I just said is true. If we are a Christian and we don't really feel persecution, we are probably not being a very good Christian. Now, when I say persecution, we think, well, you know, nobody's shoved me in a burning furnace. You know, nobody's taken me to the Knoxville Zoo and thrown me in the lion's pit. Nobody's plucked out my fingernails or stripped me down naked and tied me to a pole down at Weigel's, so I guess I'm not persecuted. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you have to live a life where it looks like that. I'm saying if there's nothing, if there's no cost to your Christianity in living, you're probably a closet Christian. You're probably not living up to the expectation that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit has for you. Because persecution is part of the package of Christianity, and it's the part of the package that nobody wants to talk about. In fact, I'll go a step further. In the book of Acts, there are over 15 sermons that we're gonna be, we've looked at and we'll continue to look at preached by different people. Uh, Peter preached, Paul preached, Stephen preached, um, Peter, Stephen, Paul. Uh, who else we got there? Stephen, uh, 15 sermons by different people. In all of the sermons in the book of Acts, Do you know how many times the word love appears in those sermons? Are you ready? Zero. They never talk about the love of God. Now, is the love of God in those sermons? Absolutely. Jesus coming from the splendor and glory of heaven to die a brutal death on a cross to save you, that's love, right? But the word love never appears in the book. The the reason is, to launch the church, the focus of the message was not the, just the love of God. It was the impact of the love of God and the commitment and the response to the love of God, which generates persecution in our life. If you want to impact your world, you have to live in radical boldness for Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you can't be saved and not live a radically bold Christian life. It just means if you want to impact the world, you have to live a bold, radical Christian life. Sometimes the reason that we don't have an impact in our world is because our world doesn't take our Christianity seriously. Why? Because we don't take our Christianity seriously. It's time, I believe and I'm convicted that me, I'll start with me, I need to be more bold. I need to be more daring. I need to drive more stakes in the sand. My life needs to look a whole lot different than the world. And you, as a Christian, your life should look radically different from the world if the world is gonna take your message seriously. And so I wanna warn you, 
if you choose to receive the challenge, okay, you can expect persecution. Nobody, why don't we say that when we share the gospel? Because it's not palatable. Nope. Hey, everybody, welcome to the church. It's Turkey Hills. I'm ready to tell you today how this week you can be persecuted at a whole nother level. How many getting excited about that? No, we ain't get. Now, if I came out, same thing. Hey, churches, Thurky Hills, so glad you're here. I'm going to help you today understand how you can be more blessed in this life. Then we're getting excited, amen? We like the blessing, but we don't like the persecution. I want to show you today to begin that the, it's a package, that persecution provides the blessing. Uh, listen what Paul wrote to Timothy. Now, this is about 67 to 70 AD. Jesus has been gone for about 40 years. Paul's been preaching. You know, Paul was Saul, who was an educated uh, uh, religion uh, expert, okay? Spoke multiple languages, brilliant guy. He was uh, impressive, had a huge circle of influence and a huge circle of friends who respected his position and what he knew. And then he met Jesus, okay? a carpenter from Nazareth, God in the flesh. He met him and he changed his world. He changed his name from Saul to Paul and this same person went from persecuting the church to proclaiming the name of Jesus to expand the church. So this guy was persecuted, okay, big time. And we're gonna read it in the, in the chapters that are coming. But this guy finds himself in a Roman dungeon prison. History says that these prisons in Rome were like nasty, like damp and moldy and bug and rat infested. That's where he's at. He's in a prison. And he writes this letter in this prison. Listen, only a few days before they would cut his head off. Now that's bold, right? That's persecution. And you're thinking, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. It's probably not going to happen. Okay, that kind of persecution probably isn't going to happen. But listen what he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, now, in fact, all who want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, the word now there is not emphasizing the season first century in the, in, the, uh, in the era of Nero, the emperor who was persecuted. He's not saying now in this season of time. He's saying now, I want you to understand the fact is anybody who wants to live a godly life for Christ Jesus, they're going to be persecuted. Now, when we hear that, we're like, oh, I didn't know I signed up for that. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. If it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for you. It, it's a reality. But I also want you to understand that even though sometimes we have a tendency to replace the word persecution connected to Christianity with the word blessed connected to Christianity, I want you to see what Jesus said about the two of them rolling on parallel tracks. And they come with each other. When persecution comes, blessing will follow. This is really helpful. This is really encouraging if you want to venture out and try to start radically living a bold Christian life. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching. This is what he says. He says, blessed. Oh, that's the word we're looking for, right? We listen. We blessed. How are we going to get blessed? I want to know this preacher. He goes on. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Get that? We want the blessing. Jesus said, you want a blessing? 
find persecution. You want a blessing? Live a righteous life according to the standards of God and you will be blessed because you will be persecuted. That's crazy. Now listen, he goes on. He says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. A person who's radically bold for Jesus, he says, the kingdom of heaven, that's what they have to look forward to. So in the middle of your persecution, I'm gonna bless you. He goes on, he doesn't let up. He says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Now, has anybody, have you ever had anybody say anything falsely about you? You know, have it, has anybody ever like run you down the tracks? You know, you walk in one day, maybe you're having a good day, woo, woo, and then somebody says, you know what I heard about you? What? And just off guard, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what they said. I said, well, they didn't say that. And, and you feel it, you feel it. You know what the response to that is? You ready? You know what the response, teenagers, when you don't get invited to the party because you got too much Jesus in your life? You know what the response is, adults, when you don't get the promotion because the one who does the promotion is lost and he doesn't like who you stand for? Do, do, do you know what the response is in this world when somebody persecutes you? Well, Jesus would know, right? He's God, and this is what he says. He says, when all this happens, he says, rejoice and be glad. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. I was hoping for how about a karate chop to the throat, okay? I mean, when you're at the football game and... I don't go to UT football games predominantly because like airplanes, they make those seats for five, six, 130-pound sophomores in high school, not 60-year-old, 200 and too many pounds that's stiff and broke down, okay? So it's not comfortable. But it's not comfortable physically, but it's not comfortable for me most of the time spiritually because unless you're in a really good environment in that stadium, you got a bunch of people down there who have, drinking, who have drank too much liquid foolish, okay? and their tongue has gotten loose and detached from the back of their throat, and they're shouting out expletives at the top of their lung as if the coach can hear them among 100,000 other screaming fans 150 yards away, okay? And so I just don't need all that, you know? So, 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 so what do we do in all that? Okay, how do we respond when we're in this place where we're uncomfortable because we're different from the world? And church, I want you to know, Jesus didn't save you to make you look like the world. Jesus saved you to make you look like him. And God's goal is for you to conform to the image of Christ. And that means we are pilgrims passing through this world. This is not your home. It's a temporary residence while we wait to go home. And we'll either go home when we die and we're saved, or we'll go home when Jesus comes back, takes us all at the same time, and candidly, I think today would be a great day for that. But until he does, we're supposed to live different, set apart. Sanctified is the, is, the, is the word. Set apart for particular use to look different than the world. And so he says, rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. So, so, so now, if we read that passage, it becomes very clear that blessing follows persecution. And all of us would agree we want to live the blessed life. If I said, anybody in here not want to be blessed by God, ain't nobody raising their hand. Yeah, I don't want the blessing. We're all in for the blessing, right? He tells us blessings, blessed are those who are persecuted. 
So the truth is, we should be pursuing persecution. Now, ain't nobody doing that. Nobody's jumping up and down, I want some persecution. Nobody's doing that, okay? And Jesus says, if you get persecution, you get a blessing. And your reward is in heaven. I, I never knew this before. I knew it, never paid attention to it. And so when somebody says something bad about you because of Jesus, students, when somebody says something bad about you, adults in the workplace, when somebody in your family who has not met Jesus yet begins to ridicule you for your faith, you just, you can rejoice. You don't have to get angry. You just smile. You say, well, thank you. Why are you saying thank you? God's got a little blessing right there. That's why. God, I got a little blessing. I got heaven waiting for me. And the more you say that, the more rewards and the greater my heaven. So what else you got for me? What it bring it on? Now, that's going to be hard to do. We've got to reorient our whole way of doing things, right? And that, I believe, is what we need to do because that is what we see in the early church that exploded in growth in the first century. It was people just like you, just like me, flesh and blood, just average, regular people who were filled with the Spirit to be the witnesses of God for Jesus in a world that needed to hear that message. So we're in Acts chapter four, and that's where we're at in this book called Can I Get a Witness? And last week, Clark preached from the Spirit-empowered life, did a great job, and, and he showed us in chapter four what it looks like to live a Spirit-empowered life, kind of the, the, the characteristics of that life. And then we look at our life and we say, my life doesn't look like that. I don't see that stuff happening in my life. I don't see the life change in other people. I don't feel the persecution. I don't feel so, uh, so uh, endangered like they did. What's the disconnect? The disconnect is we aren't doing it like the early church did it. I, we've got some good parts. We do some things good. And I don't want to be too hard. But I truly believe God wants us to, to dial it in, to dig down to expand in our boldness to impact this world for Jesus. He wants that. He desires that. And he sent his Holy Spirit in our life to empower us to, to accomplish what it is he wants. So what does it look like in today's world? Well, I don't watch a lot of TV. In fact, we don't watch any TV. TV. We have uh, some cable channels full of garbage. Kendra and I looked at three movies last night within three minutes. We look at each other and oh, there it is again. Either some, you know, either they're, you know, somebody's jumping in bed with somebody or they're just shouting out expletives and we're like, that one don't work. I, th I think I just need to get a children's network. I'll still turn some of them off, but I think that's where we should start. So I don't watch much TV, but when we were in uh, Phoenix, uh, we were in a, ho in a hotel room and, and I watched a little TV. And I, and I was reminded of this guy that some of you are familiar with. He was on Fox News in an interview, and his name is Jonathan Isaac. If you know Jonathan Isaac, raise your hand. He's an incredible young man, okay? He's a stud, all right? He plays basketball for Orlando Magic. He's a forward, and he is incredible. This guy is incredible. How's he incredible? Because of the stand he takes for Jesus Christ. How, how did it all start? During the George Floyd murder, killing, whatever, was terrible. And all this BLM stuff rose up, okay? Ridiculous. Um, 
Not that black lives matter. They do matter. All of us matter. But that whole agenda, that woke agenda, just silly. And, and so Orlando Magic were having a game. All the teammates got BLM shirts. And they said, we're wearing these shirts and we're kneeling during the national anthem. And Jonathan Isaac said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. He didn't wear a T-shirt. And you can watch the video. They're singing the national anthem. He's standing there, all of his teammates wearing shirts and kneeling. He's standing there. So why is he standing there? So they would interview him. They said, why did you not wear a shirt? And, and why did you not kneel? He said, because black lives do matter, but it's not, that agenda is not gonna change the world. Does racism exist? Sure it does, but that's not gonna change racism. He says, the only thing that will change anything is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not the one being presented here. So I'm standing for Jesus Christ. And if somebody asks me why I didn't kneel, it's because I'm standing for Jesus Christ and he's the one who'll change the world. We need more people like that. Oh, for the record, if you don't, Jonathan Isaac, he's a black guy. It's not like he's a white guy who hates black people, okay? He's a black guy who loves Jesus and therefore loves all people. That's sweet. I'm telling you, he's impressive. And I pray that he'll just maintain that posture. And so in the middle of the persecution, right? And you know he's persecuted. I mean, he gets beat up bad for it. In the middle of his persecution, he's talking to his pastor one day. And he said, Pastor, I'll tell you what. He said, he said even the, the, the sport apparel, all of those companies now have these agendas. I'm just uncomfortable with the whole thing. And his pastor told him, he says, just start your own. You ought to just start a clothing line and a shoe line. And he's like, can I do that? Well, yeah, you can do that. So he did that. And so right now he's got a new shoe. It's called Judah One, okay? His middle name is Judah, Isaac, uh, uh, Isaac Judah. So Judah One on the back of the shoe, and he puts scripture on there. So this first series says 2 Corinthians 4, 9. That verse is this, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, okay? He's got a clothing line. Now, why, do I, why am I promoting this guy? I thought this was about Jesus. I'm promoting this guy because when somebody stands boldly in this world, unapologetically sold out for Jesus Christ, persecution comes. They flow. <laughs> now, your average guy would have choked right there, but we're going to press on because the Holy Spirit's in this place. So the blessings flow. And in his life, he just took a stand based on his conviction. And God's going to bless him with people who will come to Jesus. God's going to bless him financially with this clothing line and shoe line, no doubt in my mind. And God is banking him rewards in heaven because Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And I'm here to tell you today, if I ask you if you wanted blessed when you came in here, if, if our, if our uh, door greeters would have said, do you want a blessing today? You would have looked like, yeah, we all want a blessing. Here it is. Start living boldly for Jesus Christ. Accept the fact, as Paul told Timothy, Accept the fact that all will be persecuted when they live boldly for Jesus Christ.
and then expect a blessing to follow. See, we want the blessing, but we don't want the persecution. And I think the blessings that follow persecution are gonna be far greater than the blessings that God just gives us because he's a gracious blessing God when we stand for him. And, and what's funny about this, this, <clears throat> this message, this, this idea crosses all generations and socioeconomic classes and races. Everybody in here, everybody in here, including your preacher, can live more boldly this week than we did last. And everyone in here can expect and should hope for persecution. Why? So we can rejoice. <laughs> we can, that's going to be funny right there. When we get that to a place where, man, they're talking bad about me. Hey, hey man, I heard something bad about you. And, and this is a You did? <laughs> right? What'd you hear? Yeah, that ain't true. Praise the Lord. Bring on the blessing. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. I didn't make that up. And, and so we have to learn how to live differently than we ever have. So we got to be motivated for radical Christianity, which leads us to Acts chapter 4. And you say, I thought Clark preached on Acts chapter 4. He did. Oh, did he not do a good job? He nailed it. But he approached it from their response, how they were living. I want to show you how you and I can live that way. I want to show you eight motivational factors that can help us be radically bold Christians in a world of darkness who has lost their way, their compass is spinning around and around, and you and I are called and challenged and commanded and filled with the Spirit to stand in that darkness and shine a light and say, hey, if y'all will follow me, I'll take you to truth. That's what he wants us to do. So in Acts chapter 4, just kind of set the stage, you'll remember it says in verse 1, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priest and the commander of the temple guard, I just, I just thought about me fishing around from that microphone. What was that? I, I just, in my head, in my head while I'm preaching, myself is saying, what were you doing? Okay? So, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priest and the commander of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them angry and your your translation may say they were greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and announcing in Jesus the resurrection of the dead pause I want you to understand something church uh, many of us as Christians we do good deeds we come to church on Sunday that's that's a good deed uh, we we help somebody in need we many of you brought shoe boxes thank you for doing that you helped some little boy or little girl around the world have Christmas and know what God's love feels like that's awesome it's a great deed uh, many of us will help somebody like a widow. We'll, we'll go do a, a, a chore for a widow, help her out a deed, um, or a widower. Um, many of us will do good deeds along the way. Uh, we'll help somebody, we'll buy some shoes for a kid who needs shoes or a coat for a coatless child. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do good deeds. Listen, that's not radical boldness. That's expected. That's just expected. That's common decency. You don't have to be a Christian to do good deeds. There's, there's great people in this world who are lost, who do, do good deeds and are very charitable in, 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 in what they do. People don't care. The, the lost world doesn't care if you do good deeds. They embrace that. That's not, what the, that's not why the religious community and the world that Peter and John were speaking to, that's not why they are angry and disturbed. They're angry and disturbed because they will not shut up about Jesus. 
And I'm telling you today that in your conversations this week, you can talk about good deeds all you want. Nobody cares. But if we start bringing up the name of Jesus and what he did for us and what he wants to do with this world, it's going to change their opinion of us. And it's going to change the way they're processing who we are as Christians. They're going to realize, well, this one is a little crazy on the Jesus side. And when you get a little crazy on the Jesus side, the world is going to go a little crazy on you. Because they're uncomfortable with that. That's just too much. You're diving in too deep. The, the expectation now is greater than it was in the past. And so he says, that's You've been announcing the name of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Verse 3. So they seized them and put them in jail until the next day, for it's already evening. But many of those who had listened to the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So the church, you'll remember, went from 120 to 3120, added every day. We're not sure how many were added. Now 5,000 men. The church is a few weeks old, 25,000, 30,000 strong potentially, right? Why? Why was, why was this thing exploding in growth? Are you ready? Because when Jesus told them before he ascended to heaven, he said, hey, guys, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem because I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, okay? And I don't want you to be out of town and miss him because when the Holy Spirit comes to you, I'm going to tell you what he's going to do for you. He's going to empower you to uh, share my story here and ultimately around the world. We miss that. We miss that. You see, often we forget that we're not, we're not living a bold Christian life on our own. We're living a bold Christian life empowered and possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's when things radical begin to happen in our life. So they're jealous and afraid. They're, they're doing... These people who are putting Peter and John in prison, they are doing what lost people should do, okay? Ugly people, lost people do ugly things, okay? Here's the problem. In our world, people who claim Christianity are doing the same things. They're doing the same. Lost, lost people should act like lost people and saved people should act like saved people. It's, that, it's not rocket science, not rocket science, okay? If you're saved and Jesus Christ has forgiven your sin and the Holy Spirit has taken possession of your life, you ought to act like Jesus. Hello. Now, I'm not saying we do that perfect. I don't. Kendra, don't you amen. I already threw you under the bus for the airplane deal, okay? But I'm saying, generally speaking, the direction of our life should be Becoming more like Jesus every day. And to do that, it takes intentionality. And so they were angry, not at the miracle, but at the message. Now, if you think about the story of Jesus, why, <clears throat> why is talking about Jesus such a big deal? Why, why are people going to be offended by that? Why are people going to persecute you and say bad things about you if you talk about Jesus in the United States of America? Because this, although this country is built upon Christian principles and the word of God, we're not a Christian nation. And, 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 a, and a people, get, any people group or any individual will be offended when you say this truth. 
Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. The only way. If Jesus has not saved you, if Jesus does not live in you, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you will not go to heaven when you die. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said that, and then he died on a cross to prove that he's the truth and rose from the dead. Now, when you share that, we live in a world, they don't like that. That's intolerant, right? There ought to be a lot of ways to get to heaven. What's that called? In fact, some will say this, I believe, you know, a lot of ways to get to heaven. And I believe, you know, ultimately we all go. That's called universalism. That in the end, everybody goes to heaven. That's a wonderful belief. That's a wonderful thought. I like the idea of everybody going to heaven. But the truth is, everybody's not going. Everybody's not going to heaven, right? In fact, Scripture hints to the idea, and I believe declares, more people are going to hell in your world than there are going to heaven. How do we know that? Wide is the way to destruction. Many there are on it. Few are those who find their way into righteousness. Few are on the way to heaven. And so it's our job, and it's a wonderful job. It's a wonderful challenge to hold within us the truth that changes lives now and alters eternal destinies. We carry that within us, and we're supposed to be the light in a dark world, and it requires a boldness that most of us never have. Verse 5. They're in jail. On the next day, the rulers, elders, experts in the law came together. <laughs> That's a good party right there. Annas, the high priest, was there. Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others who were members of the high priest family. We're bringing the smart family in. After making Peter and John stand in their midst, they began to inquire, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Hold up. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. We said a few weeks ago that often in the Christian community we're afraid to share our faith because we don't know, we don't think we have all the answers to the questions of the world. Let me just remind you, the world's questions are stupid, okay? You don't have to have an answer for all the questions of the world. They're lost, okay? They're ignorant. They're blind to truth. So all the questions like, well, if God is so much love, why does he let bad things happen to good people? I just made that up. No, you didn't have been saying that for 2,000 years, okay? Why? Because there's no good people. There you go. Next question. The truth is we don't have to answer any of those questions. Here's our answer. Always. It's what Peter and John do. They're filled with the Spirit. They ask them a question. What do we do? We talk about Jesus. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. Not real sure about that one. That's a big question. People have been looking for a lot of smarter than me. Been trying to figure that out for a long time. But I do know this. No matter what happens in our life, Jesus came from heaven to radically change it. <clears throat> and a lot of the bad things that happened in my life <clears throat> are because of my own personal sin. Jesus came and forgave that. Now Jesus has adopted me and I'm going to heaven when I die where no bad things happen to no people because we're all good people in Jesus. When we get to heaven, any more questions? We've got to learn to, to be bold and when somebody asks us a question, we just turn it to Jesus because Jesus answers all questions. Sounds so superficial, so simplistic, so childish. 
The truth is, one of the things that motivates me more than anything else about pastoring a church, are you ready? It goes on right back here in our children and our preschool department. These little boys and girls start getting introduced to the concept of God that God loves them and that Jesus is God's son and he died on a cross. Clark sent me and Kendra a video. Maybe Kelsey, one of them sent me a video. Major, he's three, standing on the bed, got a cardboard box or basket on the bed, got a Bible on the bed, got sunglasses on, and he's preaching about Jesus. Hey, man, that's what I'm talking about. These little boys and girls, man, they get excited about some Jesus. Bold, excited, push back. And you know what happens? They grow up. They grow up. Some of us need to go before God and say, God, I'm sorry for growing up like this. I want some childlike Jesus-believing faith. I want to be able to put my sunglasses on in my underwear and stand on the bed and proclaim Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I want to color outside the lines. I want people to look at me and smile thinking, I don't know if that guy's crazy or madly in love with Jesus, but I'm going to hang around to hear what he has to say. We need to be that kind of people. So, so Peter and John filled with the Spirit. Now, here's the problem. So filled with the Spirit, that means, oh, every time, every time we read that, that means Peter and John, they're just, you know, sitting around, you know, eating, you know, bread and talking about fishing. And then all of a sudden, got the Spirit. You know, I think I hurt myself right there when I did that. I shouldn't have done that. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. Not filled with the Spirit like that. They're filled with the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit of God indwells them, empowers them, fills them, commands them, moves them, speaks through them. Okay? How does that happen? That's Peter and John. They're apostles, right? It happens in us. The Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're saved today, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when he came in your life, he brought fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All them fruit are up in you. Got a whole fruit basket up in you. Now, you got to learn to let that out. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives in you, okay? you got to learn how to allow him and give him the privilege and the freedom to use you, to speak through you, to live through you, to move through you, and to change this world through you. You see, it's not you and it's not me. Our flesh accomplishes very, very little. In fact, probably nothing at all in the kingdom. But when the Spirit is allowed to move in us, things happen. So they're filled with the Spirit. How do we get, how do we, how do we get filled with the Spirit? How, how do we move from being an abode or a residence for the Holy Spirit to being filled with the Holy Spirit, radically changed by the Holy Spirit? Discipline. What discipline? I'm the preacher. So I get to tell you some things as a shepherd that you ought to do, some stuff you ought not to do. You ready? You ought to read your Bible every day. Did you know that? Most of us don't. You ought to, and we have no excuse. Most of us got a smartphone, thousand Bibles on there. They'll read it to you. You can get a lady to read it from some foreign country. You can get a man to read it, okay? You can read it yourself. But you, you ought to read your Bible every day. You ready? You ought to pray every day. <laughs> not just on meals. But y'all to pray every day. I was thinking about praying boldly. Oh, let me finish this first. You can't, you can't, if you don't pray regularly and read your Bible regularly, you can't expect the Holy Spirit to use you 
regularly. If you don't pray powerfully and read your Bible powerfully, you can't expect the Holy Spirit to use you powerfully, okay? So it's disciplines in our life. And on top of that, we've got to commit ourselves. We've got to say every day, Holy Spirit, I know you're in there. Time to wake up, it's a new day. I know you're in there. I want you to fill me today. I want you to use me today. I give myself to you today. Open doors, make things happen that only you can make happen. So I was thinking about what would that look like tangibly? I remember this summer we were at a marina, Kendra and I, and we had our grandkids with us. And I don't remember if it was Kelsey Clark or Caitlin, maybe all of them. And we were at a marina and there were some guys over there and they'd some probably college plus guys. and They'd been throwing them back pretty hard. And, and so they were getting a little mouthy. And I remember they were just started like dropping expletives, you know, cuss words, F-bombs. Just, and, and I'm telling you, I could have walked over there, you know, said, you know, hey, I got grandkids over here. Would you mind leaving out the cuss words? It's probably going to mean nothing, okay? And then they're probably going to say something to me. And then I'm going to hit one of them over the head with a beer bottle. And then it's going to be on the news, local pastor, bust a guy's head with a beer bottle. It's not a win. It's not a win for the church, okay? And so what do I do? What do you do? And I was thinking, how, how, how could, what would Peter and John do? What if we just, hey guys, I know we blessed our food, but our food's not here yet. Isn't it a beautiful day? Let's just pray. And let's just hold hands and let's stand up here and let's just pray. And let's just pray real loud. Just pray real loud. Just start praying. Just praying to where those people are looking. Now I don't have to go tell them. Now they notice, right? And I'm thinking there's all kinds of circumstances and scenarios that you can unfold in your mind and the Holy Spirit will give you so that we can live bold, Christian, radical lives so that people notice that we're serious about our faith and our faith is something to be taken seriously. Amen? So Peter says, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today for good deed done to a sick man, by what means this man was healed? And so it's not about a sick man being healed. It's about Jesus. And Peter and John know we've been through the ringer. You know, Peter's thinking every day I think about that stupid chicken that crowed three times. Every time I hear a rooster, it breaks my heart because on that night, three times, I was asked if I knew him, and I denied him. And I walked with him. I heard him speak. I saw him be a miracle. I saw, I, saw, I ate with God with skin on, and then I denied. I knew, I ain't going to do that anymore. I'm not doing it. So, hey, y'all put me in jail. That's cool. I'm smiling, rejoicing. Jesus said persecution. There's a blessing on the way, so I'm in. Heaven's my reward. It's all good. But since you brought it up, I got something to say. Now, he's going to talk about Jesus is what he's going to do. And that's what it looks like. So, real quick, I'm going to give you two motivations. Motivations for living. Because Clark showed us last week what it looks like to live like that. How can we begin to look, live like that? Motivation number one, Jesus conquered our death. Jesus conquered our death. That ought to motivate us. He says in verse 10 and 11, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, you know, that guy got healed and that is cool. Forty days he was crippled. He got up in one day been walking like he's been walking his whole life. 
And that is awesome. And the only reason that happened, so I could stand here right now and not talk about his legs, but to tell you about Jesus Christ. And so he says, by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified. Now, sometimes as a preacher, I get in trouble because I tell you things, you know, that, that, that you don't like to hear. And that's what he's doing. He said, listen, you crucified him. He goes on, he says, whom God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healthy, this Jesus. He says, this man stands before you healthy. I ain't talking about him. Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, that has become the cornerstone. Jesus conquered death. The greatest fear in all of mankind is dying. Number one hit list every, every time they do a survey. What are you afraid of? Dying hits the list, right? Well, the number one thing Jesus said, I got that in a bag. Jesus said, listen, if you'll pay attention to me, I'm going to show you how to live this life. I'm going to show you how to die. And I'm going to show you how you can live forever. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you and demonstrate it to you. And one day I will let you experience it fully. When I either come for you as the church or I call you home to your home in heaven. And, and so <clears throat> he says it, he's conquered our death. There's, there's nothing the world can do to you. They can fire you, they can reject you, they cannot invite you, they cannot include you, they can lie about you. But even if they kill you, he conquered death. We don't have to worry about that. Second motivation, Jesus converts our heart. This is so good. Since he conquered death, we know now he's the cornerstone. He's the one. He's the Messiah, the Christ God's son sent to the world to save, right? And so he says in verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among people by which we must be saved. He's quoting the Old Testament. He says, I'm going to tell you who this guy is. He's, he's the guy you read about in Psalm 18. There's no other name. He's the answer to the question, the solution to the equation, the hope for mankind. He is our access to God the Father. He is the redeemer of our sins. He's the one who will take us out of the gutter and wash us off in his blood and set us on a new path headed to the glory of heaven just because he's God and he loves us like that. Peter gets it, man. Peter, he gets it. He's consumed. He's eaten up by it. He is crazy about Jesus and so he conquered death and he converts our heart. And so now we live in a world, and I've got to be candid with you. How do we, how do we know if we're living radical? You ready? How do we know if we're living a radical life boldly for Jesus? Okay? Let's just pretend that uh, our laws changed, pol uh, policies changed, and they started arresting Christians. Okay, that happens this week. I don't know if you heard. It's this week. So, so let's just say tomorrow they come and they get you. They put you in handcuffs, throw you in a squad car, take you down to county jail, and then they stand you before a jury of your peers and a judge. So here's the question. Would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you, or would they set you free? That's a really good question, a really good scenario. Would there be enough evidence in your life that you are truly a Christian, or would it be superficial? And they'd say, ah, I'm not so sure and let you go. You see, we live in a world of compromise. 
I've compromised. You've compromised. Peter compromised. But once he understood, Scripture says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, but when I became an adult, I thought as an adult. Peter acted like a child. But when he got the Holy Spirit and he understood what Jesus had done, he grew up like that. And he started acting like a man. Did it mean he didn't make any more mistakes? Oh, no, he did. But his goal every day was not to be compromised, to, 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 to not let himself be in environments that created questions about the authenticity of Christianity. He lived in a world that was bold and radical and shining brightly. Church, listen to me. There's a world out there that needs to see that in us. Church, you have little boys and little girls, and I have grandchildren. They need to see the realness of Jesus in our life. They need to see that we're different. They need to see that we don't go to the same beat of the same drum as the world. We go to the beat of God's drum. And they need to see, they need to see that in us because it'll impact how they view the God of the universe. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to invite you to consider today how you could live a life more radical, more bold, more impactful than ever before. I don't want you to listen to anything I said about that. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit who lives in you, believers, and let the Holy Spirit tell you. And let Him empower you. And let Him help you. And absolutely, let him convict you. And if you're here today, and, and this all seems foreign to you, or you would just be as honest to say, I, I'm not a Christian. I've never been born again. I've never received Jesus. And you would like to do that today? That's the Holy Spirit inviting you into God's family. You simply say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I want to change the direction of my life. I give all of my brokenness to the perfection of Jesus. I want Jesus to change my life. I want your Holy Spirit to come and live in me, to help me live for you from this day forward. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. And for some of us, it just means that we need to drive a stake in the ground we pulled all the stakes up and we're wallowing around in the mush and the mire of this life that we just need to get serious about our faith and maybe it means you come to this altar and you kneel and you pray and give it to God Father we thank you so much for this day I thank you so much for Acts chapter 4 the transition chapter between the beauty of miracles and salvations to this point where now the world pushes back and the enemy camp begins to persecute. God, thank you for the message Jesus gave that blessing follows persecution. Thank you that we've been challenged to rejoice and be glad when we're persecuted. And so now, God, as we, as we ponder on what you have for us, help us this week be more radically bold for you than we ever have in our life. And we will give the results to you and we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.